podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Have you put any thoughts into like a intro? Welcome all you hardcore boxing fans to the newest edition of Chicks with Dig brought to you by Boxing Asylum. I'm your host Matt DiGelinardo. Joining me today, Joe Kennedy. Uh, we are uh, just a couple days removed from another good card um, at the Madison Square Garden Complex. Amanda Serrano making her return there, taking a unanimous decision over Erica Cruz. And what was a competitive fight? Um, although the scorecard said 98-92 times 2, 97-93. Even though I think they're fair, I don't think they told the whole story of the fight, in which was a bloody clash. Lots of punches thrown. Uh, Joe, it just came down for me to uh, Amanda Sharper, more skillful. Ultimately, she was able to hang in the pocket, pick her shots, pick off the shots of Cruz once she got the angles figured out. And really from the fifth on, I thought it was uh, uh, Serrano's fight. But nonetheless, Cruz, tough chick, man. I mean, bleeding like hell, not a bit of quitting Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think better technique as well from Amanda and throwing her punches definitely t- uh, told it um, towards the end of the fight. You know, that just her the snap and natural power on her shots were a lot sharper and, and shorter and just better strikes than uh, Cruz, whose who, who shots were seen to be a little bit loopy um, and kind of, you know, she was bending down a lot while throwing as well. And there's, you're not really going to get as much um, torque and, and, and power on your shots when you're, when you're in those kind of positions. Whereas, you know, Amanda throws shots like you're throw, supposed to throw shots. And she's, I, I love watching her. She's just a great, great fighter to watch. I think it was a really, really great fight. Like you said, um, Erica Cruz, some, some set of bollocks on her. Um, really, really tough chick. And, and like, just didn't stop throwing for the fight as well. I just thought that Amanda probably made it harder for herself and made it a more entertaining fight than they should have been. Thought she definitely had more success when she stepped back a little bit, hit her shots, moved to the right away away from Erica Cruz's right, um, which she, she couldn't really get out of the way of for the entire fight. Uh, and instead, she kind of decided to mix and brawl with her. And she was a better fighter when she did, but I thought she, she probably took unnecessary uh, amounts of punishment when she did as well. Um, I just didn't think that she was, you know, small little things like moving her head offline. She was throwing her own shots. I thought she maybe could have tried to feint her way in as well, get Eric Cruz to throw that big looping right, get out of the way of that, and then hit her on the way, uh, hit, hit her when she missed. But she, she wasn't, she didn't try to box that cutely, you know. She did at times, but I don't know if that was her most success, but at the same time, she ate a lot of punishment throughout the fight. But it, it made for a really entertaining fight. And you saw what I like to see, which is Amanda Serrano throwing a lot of shots. Um, and, um, you know, I think Katie Taylor was there watching. Uh, watching along, and it'll be. I think it, it, it sets it up pretty nicely for that for that rematch. Yeah, and it, it does look like it's going. And I'll, I'll tell you though, I want to take a moment to to give some credit <laughs> to class here. And, and before the fight, uh, they were already talking about the Taylor Serrano rematch, and uh, and and uh, and uh, Serrano took to Twitter to say. 
Um, I want to apologize to Erica Cruz for making her, her feel like we are overlooking her by all the talks of a Katie Taylor rematch. We definitely aren't. She deserves respect. Hopefully the professionals will step up and know how to how important this unification is to us and focus on this fight. Um, and Al Bernstein uh, was favorable to her in that. And she said, you know what, how important it is to me to pay attention to details. I didn't want to bypass the fact that the media seems to be more focused on the Taylor rematch than this one. Erica is a warrior and I will never overlook or underestimate her or anyone I fight. And and I just think there's a whole lot of class. And you saw it at the end of the beginning and the end of the, uh, the Taylor Serrano, their first fight. Um, there, there's a lot of, of, of class and, and respect. It seems in women's boxing, like it, it's not like men's boxing where it's, it's already has its, its place and, and they're, they're just doing their thing. Um, they, they, they seem to realize collectively at the top, interestingly, Joe, that they're all fighting for something bigger, that there's a lot more than just their careers, this match. And, and it's very uncommon women's boxing is it's, it's showing a different side of sports right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think for certain fighters, definitely that's true. You, you look at Taylor and Serrano, they've had long careers now at this stage. They've been in the game a long time. They've both had to come up the hard way as well and you know, fighting smaller shows for less money and stuff like that. I know Katie had a better time since she turned pro, but she turned pro a lot later. But I think I still like to see a bit of animosity between fighters, and thankfully we do have that with the uh, Alicia Bamgarner, who we're going to touch on later, and Michaela Mayer, who have a genuine dislike for each other, and that's a really good rivalry. And yeah, look, the the, the respect is great because like, Serrano and Taylor have both earned it. But um, when it comes to fights and you know matchups and rivalries, I'd rather a little bit of spite and a bit of a bit of meanness between two girls. And I like to see that come out with Bamgarner and Mayer. I hope they get their rematch because I think that's a smashing one as well. But I think we'll enjoy Taylor and Serrano's for what it is as well, and it'll be a a big occasion and I think the respect will be there as well. It's not going to go anywhere. That's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's going to be a fantastic event. Uh, very excited about the possibility of that happening. And and I think, you know, just going from the mock food fight to uh, this fight against Cruz, I mean, I know mock food and Cruz have different styles, but Joe, I seem to see a, a few different, um, uh, I wouldn't say looks in, in Amanda's game, but it seems like she's changing a few things up in preparation for Taylor. Um, she wasn't reaching as much. She wasn't pushing and leaning down as much. She was standing more upright. I, I, I think she feel, uh, feels like she wants to stay a little bit more up uh, to, to, to have a little bit more mobility. I, I think there's already some stylistic changes going into Amanda for the Taylor fight. Uh, are, you, are you feeling like uh, uh, that this one might be a different uh, journey than the first one? Yeah, one thing I picked up on was whenever she stepped in, she was going immediately to the body. Uh, of Cruz and you can see that her doing something similar with Katie as well trying to take her legs away because I think um, you know Taylor's best assets are still probably her legs and, and, and getting around the ring and moving in and out of range and if you know if Amanda can get to that body early uh, it'll make it a much tougher night for Katie coming down the stretch and you know she might not be able to win those last few rounds like she did in the first first fight um, so I think that'll probably be a tactic you know I, I, I'm not a massive fan of uh, Amanda's trainer um, I, I remember that uh, Taby, Taylor fought his, her sister Cindy and she he was a trainer that night and he let her take a terrible beating but he never gave her any good instructions either and I know Serrano's been with him a while um, I think they're Puerto Rican you know family or whatever but I don't know whether another look at a different trainer or somewhere like it doesn't seem like she was getting great advice in the corner. It seemed like she had to kind of come to it again herself. He kept on repeating like it was just a straight left and right down the middle. 
I don't know. I just, um, I wonder, you know, I don't think she's going to make any change around like that, but, you know, and maybe you can't change that much at, at, at her age and her stage in her career, but, um, you know, tactically, I think she might have to work on something differently to beat Taylor. And, and I, I think I saw some understanding of Amanda when it came to, uh, to, keeping her tank. She, she didn't throw too many punches. She stayed within herself, uh, in the fight. Um, and, uh, I saw, like I said, she's standing more upright. You saw some stuff with the body and, and I, I think she's going into the fight, into the rematch with Taylor with the opinion of if it was hard for her to get a decision win in New York against, uh, against Taylor, it's going to be really hard in Ireland. I mean, just, uh, I'm not even saying corruption. I'm just saying fan reaction and such, you know, it, it, it carries a lot, just the, the, the flow of the building. And so I think Amanda's going over there to Ireland and knock her out. I, I that that's my hunch on what I'm mm. feeling is her. She's going in to knock out Katie Taylor in Ireland. Yeah. I, I think, you know, <clears throat> If you're going to come at Katie Taylor like that, I think she's going to be out, you know, making this, make it look silly, pot shot her way to, to, and I think she, you know, coming at her with that kind of initiative would almost play into her hands a little bit. But um, I, I liked Serrano, I liked Serrano when she was boxing last night. You know, I don't know about you, but when she was standing more outside, maybe taking a half step back, hitting one or two shots, stepping off to the right. Doing it again, keeping Erica Cruz moving. I'm not saying she should do that against Taylor, but you know, I just like that side of her. I thought she looked good, threw her shots really nicely. Like you said, it's probably better for her gas tank as well. Um, and that's probably how I would go into the fight because I think that a, a straight forward fighter like that, um, boxing off just fundamentals like that will, will give Katie dif- difficulties, and she's got the natural power between the two as well. So. All she needs to do is just start landing on Katie, body and head, and I think it'll start to tell as well. Uh, you know, Taylor's going to have to rely on doing the flashier work on the outside, trying to make her miss, uh, jab, move out. You know, it, it, it's just it's a it's an effective way of boxing. But I think if if Amanda could stick to what she does best as well, I think that would play into her, into her hands really well. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, rule out a, a, an Amanda Serrano decision either. Not that I'm saying that. We've got a great history of not robbing fighters around like that. I'm not going to say that, but um, it's not, you know, it's not going to be Ian John Lewis and fucking, you know, the matchroom <laughs> crew doing these judges and stuff. You know, so it's going to be decent people. I, I'd hope that she wouldn't get robbed if she does win the fight. Yeah, I, I just want to see another good fight. I, I thought the, I thought that a split decision last time was fine. Honestly, I, I thought maybe one of the cards was a bit wide, but I really thought that you, you could have gone six rounds either direction and it would have been fine draw would have been fine scoring that fourth or fifth round for Serrano 10-8 that's fine it was yeah. there 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 was enough of kind of you know pick what you pick what you like in that one and and I think that's what's great about them is they bring different things to the table than the other one does so it's it's a good clash of styles um but yeah Amanda showing she can box a little bit more than people realize um and I if if I'm in her corner for that fight. And like you said, uh, they might not be given the best technical advice. I'm going to be talking about her, about just trying to stay outside of Katie Taylor and using 
using the, my right hook over her jab, trying to use it to set her to the body. And as you do that, you start making her move the other direction. Be prepared to pull the trigger on that left hand as she walks into it. It would, it would be all about trying to use the right hook to start moving her the other direction and see what you can do. But we'll see. Yeah. And you know, noticing that I picked up on, like, and it was crazy because Cruz kept on ducking, you know, constantly ducking whenever she was in range. And Amanda, how many, how many uppercuts did she throw? And how many uppercuts did the corner ask for her to throw? It was, I'm with it you. Was, it was wild. It was wild. I don't know. Um, I've, I've a bit of a bias against that guy, like I said, because I remember that Cindy Serrano debacle, but um, she just seems like she could be better guarded in that corner. Well, and I think what what Cruz has going for it, and it, it stylistically, it's going to work for most of the time, Joe, is that so many people in the women's game, they just have that basic amateur background of jab right hand. So if you get low, they, they really don't necessarily have that uppercut. So for, yeah. for someone like Cruz, she can just go in and, and maul these people who throw everything at <laughs> eye level, and they're not going to have a lot of answers. It, and yeah. it's just Amanda Serrano on a skills. different level. Yeah. Exactly. She ha- she's on a different level. She has this because if she wanted, she could have faked the jab, saw Cruz's right hand coming, missed that, and then hit a shot. She has that in her, in her locker, you know, without a doubt. But... She Without can leave kind third of the instruction, less. yeah, yeah. She, you know, maybe she could, maybe they, maybe she would naturally do it against someone like Taylor or something like that. But it seemed a little bit worrying that she kept on getting caught by those big looping right hands as well. You know, about like again, a fighter of her caliber should be able to move her head off line while taking a shot. Um, and she wasn't. She was, just, you know, lying away for the right hand. Um, but yeah, still a really enjoyable fight, and I hope to see Erica Cruz against him. Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, you know with uh, Serrano moving up to 135 pounds again, no telling if she fights at 126 again. My hunch, Joe, is this is Amanda Serrano, now the undisputed uh, women's champion at 126 pounds. I think it is going to be her last 126 pound fight. I see the Taylor fight. If that goes well for her, I think she's going to take on the uh, Mayor Baumgartner winner and probably call it a day. Um, cause those are the last two, you know, real good money fights for, um, and, but she's had a hell of a career first ball ballot hall of famer. I think, uh, yeah. she's a, a trailblazer for the sport. Um, God love her. Um, yeah. but also on that card, someone that is uh, building up a, a hell of a decent career on her own. Alicia Baumgartner uh, going 10 rounds with Alain Mechelad, uh, dropping her a couple of times in the third round, hurting her a few others along the way. Um, uh, working under Tony Harrison and, and, and Joe, I got to tell you, I really love this athletic boxer puncher style that she's developing into. She's learning her skills, learning her strengths. And, and she's got, she's got a, a lot of pizzazz, both coming to the ring in the ring, a lot of confidence. Um, Alicia Baumgartner on the way up. Yes. hundred percent. Love the way she throws shots. Oh, with like venom spite. Snaps a jab, snaps the right hand, um, really throws those shots really, really nicely. Um, like Serrano does as well. I think the two of them are both at the very top of the, the women's game and, and, and the top of the technique-wise, skills-wise, um, and, and two of my favorite fighters in the women's game, definitely. I think that um, shout-out to Rob Tebbe, who put it well, and uh, L.M. Mechelet is some set of bollocks on her because she, she really does, like, you know, those, I don't know how she hung in there for so long. Back-to-back uh, great fights fight. from that gal. It might not come away with the Ws, but against Pursun, against Baumgartner, she's going to get more fights off of that. This gal's worth the price of admission. 
hundred percent. And you know, I, I was watching a bit of a, a documentary, like a small little short thing about her before uh, before the fight. And she's a part time fighter. You know, she she takes off a month off work before the fight to do a full camp in Paris. I think she's from Lyon or something like that. She's got clear skills and natural ability. You wonder what she'd be able to do with, you know, proper guidance. Maybe taking a half year off and really working on her craft because. Um, she doesn't throw shots like Serrano or, or, or Ben Garner. She doesn't have the same snap, but she was still finding uh, finding the mark. And, uh, and they're not like arm punches. They're, they're no, not arm no, she's punches not pushing either. them. She throws, yeah. She's not pushing them. No, but they're not. They're not. Um, they're not with the same kind of snap that that Ben Garner was was hitting her with. But. Um, she's uh definitely a very capable fighter and crafty enough with her with her counters and moves her feet really well as well uh closed the distance really well and made it uncomfortable for bam gardner in there at times even though bam gardner was probably a level above um but you know definitely want to see her again would definitely be a really good um bellwether for up and coming fighters you know to see where they're at and i think she's better than that as well i think she'd probably take a run at a take a run at a world title at another time yeah, absolutely. And uh, for for me, and and I think forever for many other boxing fans, now we're just looking at the uh, Baumgartner Mayer rematch. Uh, that that looks to be a fantastic fight. Uh, that that they they seem to be interested in making. And and Joe, my hope is that it doesn't find its way onto the undercard in Ireland. I I think these two American gals have have earned the right to try to sell this fight stateside and i and i think they will i i absolutely think they can they can sell this fight uh if in the right place and marketed the right way here uh and and it, it could do really good numbers uh they got a great uh rivalry going on good trash talk between them um and, and it's just fun fun dynamics you know the uh the girl who learned on her way up you know uh, coming from uh from different neighborhood than than uh than a lot of us have experienced against the basic white girl with olympic pedigree and <laughs> boxing skills it's a cool dynamic you know it, it's it, things people don't necessarily want to say but it's how these fights get sold isn't it yeah and you know i actually think it's funny because of the first fight was in the uk um there was actually a good bit of promotion went into it beforehand. You know, they were both, well, Mayor was on Soccer AM and like, because it was pushed back, they kind of both did a bit of promotion twice over in, in the UK. So I think it would still sell pretty well in the UK. But like you said, it does, it does deserve its own spot and its own right. And probably giving access to the American fans would, would, would be right. Um, so I wouldn't be averse to seeing that. If it, look, if it landed in MSG, I'd probably go to it myself as well. But, um, I think there's other fights out there for 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 Ben Gardner if it doesn't come off. I think Mayer really needs to fight, but um, I think you know, Pursuit, man, Pursuit would be a good fight for Mayer. Yeah, um, didn't yeah. It's it, I I just think that Mayer would would be a better serve probably moving up to one thirty five. Um, I think that she looks a bit bigger, probably tighter at the weight. Um, and I think I'd fancy her. I'd put her in with the Katie Taylor as well. I think that would be a good fight for for Mayor. I think she'd cause her problems. I think it'd be, um, you know, I, I just think that I think Bam Garner's probably on a different trajectory now. She she doesn't talk about the fight in a positive kind of light. I don't know. Do you do you get the sense that she wants it next? I kind of get the sense that she wanted to move on. I think she wants whatever fight's going to make her some money at this point in time. And, and, mm. and she did say in the, in the post fight that she was going to knock her out if they, if they met again. 
Um, yeah. and, and I almost think that that's a challenge for her. I, I, I honestly think that she says, I, I don't, that, that last fight was too close. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to knock this chick out. And, and Bayer's not, not a, a big puncher, but I, I do think that she is stable enough in her base that she'll be able to capitalize if Baumgartner gets a little too wild at times. And it, and I think uh, the, the more that Baumgartner wants that knockout, the more interesting it is, not only because uh, I, the, I, I think Mayer can capitalize, but also I think Baumgartner can possibly get that knockout. Um, yeah. and, and I think it would probably be later on in the fight. I, I, I think those two, they, they mesh pretty well. And I think we'd end up seeing another good fight that that one wasn't like fight of the year, but it was a high quality chess match. Uh, if we're talking like women's boxing last year, it was the, the, the high quality chess match of the year. Yeah. Yeah, like do you remember that it was kind of going into it. We assumed that it would be Mayor being the boxer with Bam Gardner kind of coming forward with the power and cutting off the ring. And it actually ended up being Mayor coming forward with Bam Gardner trying to counter off Mayor leading. Uh, and so the dynamic didn't really play out as expected for the fight. Um, and it kind of resulted in these ebb and flows a little bit. You know, at one at one time, um, Bam Gardner's you know clipping her with with really smart counters and, and you know pushing her back, uh, pushing Mayer back, and at other times Mayer was like letting her hands go and and, and getting off combos and, and doing really well. And it's just the fight never seemed to play out the way I thought it was going to play out. I, it kind of just ebbed and flowed, but it was a tight fight. Um, I think Harrison has a lot to do that with that, and and let, let's touch on him a little bit more even mm-hmm. past the women's sport. But I think he saw that Mayer doesn't have much of a left hook, and and he's like, look, you can you can throw that right hand and then get down to your right hand side all day long, and it's not going to matter for fuck. She's going to miss you with the jab inside of your head, and she doesn't have the hook to grab you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Tony's a great trainer. I mean, this fight with Tim Zoo. I mean, if he doesn't win this, I would like to see him just become a trainer. Yeah. No, he definitely, and you can see that um, she's a really, really well skilled, skilled fighter as well. She's showing a couple of different styles, a couple of different looks, and she doesn't just rely on her power. Although I thought that towards the end of the fight, um, she was maybe loading up a little bit with some of her shots. She was only throwing one or two shots, and maybe if she had to let her hands go and three and four punch combinations, and maybe uh, mixed up the power on the shots that she could have maybe. Um, got in the stoppage, but maybe not because Mechelet was just so tough. But um, she's a great fighter, really, really well skilled. And yeah, like you said, I think Tony Harrison, he's always a pretty c- cerebral fighter, um, even though he seemed to be his worst enemy in fights like the Peralta fight when he just kind of was making bad decisions at key, key moments in the fight. But you know, you could see how easily he got into Jamal Charlo's head. Just always seems to be a cerebral fighter who kind of thought his way through a fight pretty methodically. Um, got that he's the most, background. He's one of the most skilled. He, he, in my opinion, actually, I'll say, I think skill set wise, Tony Harrison's the most skilled guy at 154 pounds, but I think his head game is middle ground at best. And when you say his head game, you mean like the, the dog, or you mean like uh, the tactic, you IQ, or I, I think he has lapses in, 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 in uh, paying attention. And, mm-hmm. and I also, and I also think that he, he can get frustrated at times like the Prawl to fight. Right. And, yeah. and he become his own worst enemy because he should have skill to skill. He should have walked that fight. You know it. I know it didn't happen. Yeah. I think he struggles with his gas tank a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, certainly he's got all the tools 
Um, he he's one of my favorite fighters, uh, super bad. But I think he's uh, yeah, he he he's just inconsistent. You know that Sergio Garcia uh, fight was fantastic. He was so good in that fight. I thought that was a really difficult fight coming into it because Garcia had upset a good few uh, British fighters in the way, and it just he made like Fundora look conflict. average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, you know, Harrison showed there was levels between the two of them. You know. Yeah, that yeah, and he was the underdog coming into that fight. People had basically written him off. Um, it's uh, but he, he's he's got a good mind when it comes to game plans, and it, in his is just his his fight IQ. And and I feel like man, if he could look what he's done with Baumgartner. I mean, that's a, a something incredible to pass on to a fighter because I think there's a lot of guys that know how to work the pads and shit like that. But I don't know if there's a lot of guys and gals who teach the sport today, who, who really know how to break down a fighter and what their weaknesses are, and then explain to someone how to exploit them and create a preparation for that too. Uh, you know, I mean, that's the real training package. And I don't think a lot of people have it, but I think Tony might. Yeah. I think he took over from his dad who I think passed away. He was the previous manager. So I'm sure he, he's been kind of sitting in that seat for a little bit of time, probably picking up little nuggets here and there from, his old man and like if you could just if you could breathe in what those fucking walls have in, in those Detroit gyms you'd, you'd know a lot about boxing so I'm sure he's just you know accumulated all of it over the years um, and yeah it, it does kind of come out you can see it when he's talking to the fighter in the corner when he's talking to fight, about fighters coming up um, even in his trash talk he just seems to be really really ingrained in the sport um, a real fighter's fighter yeah, I, I love real fight nerds, Joe. It it it's <laughs> like you you know you like yeah you know I tell there we interviewed more people years ago in the podcast before I think we developed a reputation because people like don't talk to them they talk shit about your your managers and stuff but um but I I like you could tell a lot about fighters by um the interest that they show in in the sport and the questions and thing like that you can tell who boxes because it's a job and who boxes because of the job, but they also love it and they couldn't see themselves doing anything else. Um, and those are the people I love. And I think Tony, he's one of those guys. And, and so he'll be around whether he's a fighter or not, he's going to be around. Um, and I think he's going to be in Baumgartner's corner and she's going to be around a while too. Um, I'm wondering, you know, cause the, the gals seem to jump weight up and down a little bit easier. And I'm almost yeah. wondering if uh, Baumgartner or mayor, uh, could end up uh, challenging Chantel Cameron at 140 because uh, that, that's that's someone who's kind of being left out of the conversation here just because she's a bit north. But she had that unexpected win over uh, Jessica McCaskill uh, last mm-hmm. year as well. And, and so we need to put her in there. And I think there's a lot of good matchups to be made right around that 135-pound division uh, right now, uh, you know, give or take a division. Yeah, I mean, one fight I was thinking of, I, you know, it, it was just kind of the, the the natural fight to think of when you have one lead and the other uh, on a card. But I'd love to see Serrano versus Ben Gardner um, at 135. That would be a cracking fight. Or even at 130. Um, you know, that would be a, a smashing fight. Absolutely. Probably, probably um, I'd probably favor Ben Gardner a little bit, but still, what a learning experience for her. That would be, a, you know, it's just a, a really good fight for her, I think, at this stage of her career. You know, she's already got a loss, so there's no point in protecting the O. I don't think... The, the girls really think like that either but um you know if she can't get that mayor fight over the line um that'd be one i'd love to see um a little bit down the line 
Yeah, I think there's three fights that make her money, and uh, it's Mayor uh, Mayor Taylor and Serrano. So, yeah. and and all of them make money with each other. So they they should all go and do it. Damn it, um, get the get that cheddar, ladies, get that cheddar. Yeah, uh, um, and I don't know how much of that undercard you caught. Um, I I didn't actually see Sky Nicholson, sadly, or Ramla Ali, <laughs> both of them victorious in their their matches. Is it going to be Sky Nicholson much longer? Is it going to be Sky Hearn? That's the question everyone wants to know, Joe Kennedy. But we'll we'll avoid that one right now. But you know, I thought the highlight of that undercard was Shadeja Green taking mm. out Elon Sidiros in six rounds. Uh, Might have been a quick stoppage, um, but uh, the, man, uh, th- this gal can punch. She's yeah. uh, she is now the uh, mandatory for Franchon Cruz Desern. Um, so I and I think that's going to be a hell of a damn decent fight later on this year. Did you catch Shadeja Green? I did, I did. I um, I had a bit of a packed evening on Saturday, but before I went out, I managed to catch that fight. As you know, I had I'd fancied that fight to go along. I, I thought it was going to go the distance, but you know, Shadeja Green came into the fight with this big KO reputation. You could see it straight away in her record. I think she only had one fight that had gone the distance, and you know. I was going up. It was more of a step up. I think um, Sideros was it was a bit of a step up for, and so you know, I I think Sideros had um, been in with uh, reminding her previous fight. I think she was in with what she in with with Desern. Cruz Desern, Yeah, yeah, I mean, she, was yeah she was the world champion, and and, and yeah. not a great resume, but she's a quality boxer. I mean, you look at her; she throws good punches, and and she's not she's not some uh, arm punching schmuck out there. Uh, good enough yeah. fighter. Yeah, I just thought, you know, and, and that's kind of why I thought it was going to go to distance and maybe this screen's reputation kind of preceded her. But in reality, she backed it up uh, and really that right hand was not to be messed with at all. She's really turned right into it um, and caught Sidero's coming in, um, as Ben Davidson would say, with the inactive high guard, um, walking straight in with an inactive high guard, you know, just kind of. You know, basically sitting duck for that right hand, and she caught her a couple of times coming in, and eventually the referee came in and drew a halt to it. But you can see that um, Dreams Power definitely legit, very very heavy hands, um, not that one shot quit kind of power, but um, every time she landed flush, you could see that she was hurting Sideros, and it was it was a bit of a mercy stoppage in the end. Um, I just I I I think Sidero was yeah like, like she was good like you know I get I get it but I just thought she was she wasn't smart about how she was fighting her either you know it was as if she wasn't respecting the power that Green had either she was like she I, like even after she was buzzed she was the one closing the distance on Green right into her face again you know straight in front of her boom popped the right hand again I just thought she could have been a little bit cuter. Um, she's a Swedish gal. I saw she was being trained by the Swedes. I saw our friend Otto Wallin in the crowd as well. And you would just hope that maybe she would have been kind of told to maybe, you know, try last around, like maybe, you know, stick and move this round. But she seemed to just revert the type and, and walk straight into the game. But definitely green, very impressive power. And yeah, I think the Zern's got her hands full in that fight. Yeah, that and it should be a good fight. Um, I don't know if that one goes the distance or not, but it, it's going to be a good fight. Um, Desern's definitely developed as a fighter throughout her pro career. But, um, you know, should um, Shadesha Green beat Cruz Desern and uh, should Clarissa Shields beat Savannah Marshall in a rematch, which is being discussed, um, that would 
give uh, Clarissa Shields a chance to go up to 168 for the undisputed championship there against Green. And I think that's a real fight. I, I think that is a real fight. Mm, yeah, I think that the quote would probably be too good for her, but I'd like to see that all the same. Um, any chance to see the growth jaw spun like a dreadle would be would be warmly welcomed by me, but I, I still think that you know Green's not going to get the opportunities to land shots like Sidero's provided her on Saturday. I don't think the growth's going to give her those kind of opportunities. Um, but she'd be the bigger girl there without a doubt. Um, and look, as far as tests go at that weight, that's probably as good as you're going to get, right? Yeah, it, it, there's some good fighters, and there's still some good fighters there. You still have uh, Christina Hammerson hanging around the weights, too. So that She's been be beaten by her already, though, hasn't she? She Did was, you? yeah, yeah. I'm talking about maybe for green, though. Um, oh, right. You know, so there's still some, a few good fights up there, but it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, we're seeing some things develop and, and, and kind of a look on, on some future fights. And, and the tough thing is, is what might come up from, from there. But that said, um, Shadeja Green kind of coming out of nowhere to make a statement too. So they're, um, you know, going to have to keep our eye on what's going on out there, uh, because it could it could be a lot of surprises. Uh, a surprise that happened in the uh, 108 pound division in January, one where we got a little cha ching cha ching. Joe Kennedy, uh, uh, Jessica Neri Plata beating uh, Kim Clavel uh, over ten rounds uh, in Canada uh, in a unification fight. In what was actually a pretty damn entertaining fight as well. Uh, Neri Platt, just uh, the, the only best way I could explain it is they were pretty damn even in the exchanges, but I just thought that, that most of the time, uh, Jessica initiated them and then she most more often than not, she also finished them. And I, I thought that was the difference maker. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Big shout out to Plata who brought us home to Plata that night. Um, it was lovely. I think she was five to one, uh, around that way as right. Um, yeah, I just thought she was cuter in the exchanges, uh, and and you could see Clavel was kind of towards the end of the fight backing off a little bit with those exchanges as well. She was starting to, it was starting to tell. It was more of an attritional fight than than um, you know, uh, um, any massive shots landing, any more massive shots landing. It was just kind of a, an accumulation of shots that were seeming to start to tell over time. And I think there was no complaints from from Clavel, even though it was a close fight. I think it was pretty clearly won by um, the the Plata, um, and yeah, I'd, I'd like to see her. I think um, Snezia Strad is the one name that kind of jumps out to you that way. It's not sure that she would necessarily have what it takes to um, beat her, but as far as competition at that way it goes, it's probably you know, as good as you're going to get. And she's definitely a pretty pretty capable fighter. And, uh, can definitely mix it up when she wants to in the inside, um, and uh, it was well worth the victory definitely against against uh, the young Canadian. Yeah, she uh, and, and what's interesting is she weighed in for that 108 pound fight at less than 105 pounds, so she can make uh, the minimum weight limit, which is where uh, Senesa has her title. So you kind of pick where you want to have that fight at. They could do the whole uh, Ray Leonard uh, uh, Lalonde thing and, and have it at the 105 pound uh, limit for the 108 pound belts too. You know why are there rules? It, it fuck them, fuck it doesn't matter. 
Was she using the same weights as Emmanuel Navaretti uh, by any chance? Oh Christ! Yeah, no <laughs> that's that's all. Three pounds just got missing. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I have seen some crooked shit on the scales, but uh, when I looked at that, I'm like, there ain't no way in hell that boy weighed uh, nearly featherweight. <laughs> There's some yeah. bullshit afoot here. And when he <laughs> stepped off it, the weight was minus 0.3s or minus three grams. So. <laughs> Definitely something fishy going on. Matilda's dad was involved in that. Uh, but so speaking of Sinisa Estrada, though, uh, she's going to be one of the uh, the women's fights that we're looking forward to before uh, we have our next podcast. She's going to be fighting on the Jose Ramirez uh, Richard Comey uh, undercard on March 25th against German uh, Tina Ruprecht, uh, who's held the WBA, uh, I think the, the WBC strawweight title for a fair bit of time, if I recall. Um, a pretty straightforward fighter at the end of the day. Um, and I, I don't think you keep using the word cute. I don't think she has the cuteness in the exchanges really to deal with uh, Estrada. But this will be a nice unification fight. Uh, Estrada's first fight uh, under the top rank banner since jumping ship away from uh, Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, and golden boy so uh right. interesting fight though uh but but you would like to so she comes out of this you'd like to see the winner against neri plata i would just like to see sanisi in a good fight i just don't think she's really been tested so far i think she's just um the talent gap of, has been so huge in her career yeah. like Mar- even marlon esparza who's shown to be a Couldn't decent enough fighter since yeah she got fucked up yeah couldn't get near and it's just like you know and, and, and apparently it's been like that for her since she's a kid you know she's been going around james and south uh cali like and just can't get a fight like you know just beating up girls anyone can get in with her and she's just been having the showers above her above her competition for her life so i, I just like to see her in a good fight and i'd wonder you know i wonder how true how true that is and what what her reaction would be like in a proper fight you know when you have somebody who's matching her and putting it up against her because if, if that's unfamiliar territory I, I like to see fighters how, how, how they react in those kind of situations but yeah i'd just like to see her in a, in, a, in a contest i think there's probably levels to come from her that we haven't seen um and you know i, I think just think a bit of comp- competition will be healthy for her at this stage in her career as well otherwise she just she might just stagnate and plateau and then a good fighter will come along in five years and blow her out of the water because she's just sitting on the shelf beating no marks. Well, and, you know, I look through the rankings down there and I, I've seen a number of the fighters and there's just not that many that I see giving her a hard time. It, it's a, it's a struggle. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's not like this area between, you know, 126 and 135 where you see a bunch of good looking matchups and between 160 and 168 where you see a, you know, a good number of competitive fights. It's, it's just, it's a little bit thin. And what's weird is there's just, it's a, it's a weight class where there should be a fair number of women, just because there's plenty of women around five foot two, five foot three, who walk around about, you know, 115 pounds, you know, dehydrate down, you're done. Um, So it's, it's, but so we'll see again, it's the developing talent, but you know, Sinisa, I mean, she's was beating the crap out of boys in the gym. Uh, uh, Sergio Mora tells stories about it. So it, we'll see how this fight with Rupert goes. Rupert, a decent enough operator, do not dismiss this victory as, you know, as meaningless. Um, It is unification. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's this is um, Sinisa's going to be really hurting for good opponents right now. And but you know, you get a little bit north of there, there are a, some opponents. And you know, I almost wonder. I believe she's won titles at one twelve as well, Joe. And I almost wonder 
if someone like her might just say fuck it and go up to try like 118 pounds and see if her talent carries. Um, I mean, cause like somebody like bridges. Yeah. I mean, she's, you know, much bigger than uh, Sinise Estrada, but uh, the talent gap between those two is massive. I, I yeah. mean, I could, I could see her landing combos and cutting corners on ebbs all night long. Yeah, she'd absolutely make shit of Ebbs. Um, and she'd batter Shannon Courtney as well. She'd, she'd batter the racism out of Shannon Courtney, I think. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, then she's a top rank. You, you think that maybe they'd, they'd be able to get her the fights that she needs. Um, you know, it wouldn't necessarily, like, you know, I think the five foot two females and Oscar Hoyas phone books are probably not fighters, they're probably, you know, hookers, right? So uh he's she's probably at the better place with top rank in order to find fighters around her stable and her weight. Like so good move from my book and, and you know, maybe she won't need to jump up the weights, but I think that's definitely an option for her if she can't get the fights the top rank that she needs to get. Um maybe do like in a, what a new way did and just kind of pick up the weights along the way and then try to settle somewhere at a comfortable weight that you can kind of walk around that and you know, hone yourself as a fighter, and I, I wouldn't be averse to that. Absolutely. Now, just to give some credit to Ruprecht here, she has held that WBC belt, which she had, she got the interim belt in December of 2017. So we're over five years that she's held that belt. And her first defense was against Yacosta Valle, who has become uh, quite a decent fighter and actually thinking of fights that might be okay for Sinisa around the weight. Yacosta would be a decent fight. She's a Costa Rican fighter under the Marv Nation banner. So that should mean oh. something, Joe. Yeah. The Marv Nation banner. It's uh, the big new, the new, the new big boy in town, right? Yep. Marv be with you. Uh, that's what I'm going <laughs> with. So, so yeah. So you were at a Marv show, though. That was the was that the Crawford show? Was a Marv show, right? No, that was BLK Prime. But oh, I kind of feel uh, like I kind of feel like there might be an association where it gets a little murky. There, it just yeah. That's another story. Just the money to finance these fights. Anyway, that that could take up a whole hour and a whole bunch of courtrooms. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So so yeah. So so we have Ruprecht. Uh, just yeah. Valle, uh, get her in against Valle. Get her against uh, in against Neri Plata. And and I think those are three decent fights at those lower weights. But you know, honestly, if Sinisa wants to uh, take a wing uh, wing at it and 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 go try to be great, move up, you know, and, and take on those bigger gals. Because I mean, I've watched her in these fights, and, and, and I mean, the simplest way to say, it, I like she just beats them up. It, it, it's 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 almost not it's 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 almost not funny. It's like uh, when McCaskill. The fight before she fought Chantel Cameron, where the gal quit in between rounds, and, and she's like, "It's like I don't want this anymore. I want to go home to my kid." And it, you just almost feel bad for him. You're just like Jesus Christ, she's beating up on some some poor kid's mother. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, what are you going to do? They all get a paycheck. <laughs> that just reminded me of a really funny moment in the corner on Saturday, actually, when. Um, Eric Cruz went back to her corner and her coaches were like screaming at her and she just goes, shut up, everybody. <laughs> I'm fucking doing my best out there. And uh, I think Navaretti had a similar um, incident in, in, in the Friday night as well fight. So um, big up to the funny corner um, work recently. But I think, <laughs> I think, um, I think that, um, What's your one's name? Valle, you mentioned. Who's, who's a good fighter at that way? At that way? Acosta Valle, is it? Yeah, Acosta Valle, yeah. Who was it again? She had fought recently. We thought she was pretty good. I remember the, the name is definitely ringing a bell. Um, 
but I think I think you're right. I think she was she was a pretty handy operator. But the the, the power difference between these girls as well just seems so great. Like, you know, there's, there's so much snap on um on Estrada's punches compared to a lot of the other girls. It just seems like a complete mismatch from the get go. It's almost like they're in, you know just different stratospheres, mate, you know, as Tony Valley would say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there, there's such, that's the tough thing about the women's sport right now is unlike the men's sport where you can kind of see like, yeah, there's an A class and, and there's a B class and, and some of those people in the B class could be A's and stuff like that. Like in, in women's boxing, you, 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 you have basically an A minus class an A class and then a C class that, that, that B area is almost devoid of fighters right now, but it's coming up. You know, I, I worry something that's come up recently is the discussions that they might take boxing out of the Olympics. And I think if they do that, it's going to be bad for uh, not, not just men's boxing, but women's boxing, uh, just the sport on the whole. Yeah. Isn't that in response to the corruption though, at the AIBA level? <sighs> yes. Boxing is so good at shooting ourselves in the foot, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's what it takes to clean up that organization, then so be it. But um, if it's just going to be a self-imposed exile by a bunch of corrupt books, then, yeah, it's going to it's going to be to the detriment of the sport. But, you know, I I don't know whether um, the, the old kind of roadmap of fighters going – amateur going through the levels then turning pro at a certain age but i think that's kind of changed now with the emergence of social media these youtube fighters i think there is a much more attractive and lucrative path straight into pros and i think that the amateur game might suffer regardless of what the olympics is going to do obviously the olympics is going to like being out of the olympics would be really detrimental to the sport would be terrible but i think that the amateur sport is kind of on shaky legs as it is as well one well, and for women i mean especially with two minute rounds uh, the you know the chance with bodily harm compared to the men's game is 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 greatly diminished so i it's a it's a different look at, at getting paid and you know if i'm a boxing trainer and i'm working with with young women and I, I, there's a gal there that's just starching people who has punching power. Like, yeah, we're not going to the golden gloves. You'll be boxing gals who are going to the golden gloves. But when you turn 18, you're a professional. So let's focus on that. Because if, if you can punch uh, in, in women's boxing right now, I mean, you're, you're almost a unicorn. There's, I, I mean, you can basically count the, the real punchers in women's boxing on both hands. Um, so it, it, you know, for all those trainers out there that might somehow tune into our show, yeah, be on the lookout for those young ladies who can punch because there's a spot for them in the pro game until there's a, a, a wider, uh, depth of talent in there. And, and you could have somebody like a Shadeja green. It just starts coming in there and waylaying people. I mean, her, you always question fighters coming in with a, with a, a knockout record. You know, you're always watching those guys, those, hey, he's 20 and 0 with 20 knockouts. And then they, you know, flame out. They're, they've been fighting pure shit. And then there are those people, and Shadeja Green seems like one of them, where you're like, that record's got to be bullshit. And they just keep knocking people out. Um, and yeah. so if you can do that, send them on up. 
because they could be knocking somebody out and making six figures. What the hell? It's I used I used to be a golf pro, and I told people all the time: if you got a daughter, get her into get her into golf if you can. There's a bunch of unused women's golf scholarships every year, and right now promoters are sick of dealing with these men and seven figure paydays, and they're more than happy to make five figure paydays for these women just because it's easier to fucking make. So go get your asses paid. Well, you know, we, we were we were mentioning this, I think, in our last episode when we were talking about the difference between Bam Gardner and Mayer and how if you were to start, you know, if you were to mold yourself a fighter, you would begin the mold with someone like Alicia Baumgartner's body type and the way she throws her shots as opposed to the amateur style that kind of fits Mayer. Um, just because you can add so much more to Bam Gardner's game, whereas Mayer is never going to be able to get that snap in her punches that Bam Gardner has. And so I think that if you get people moving away from the amateur um, style and the amateur route, you're going to get these fighters, like you said, Shadeja Green, um, although I, I think more so Bam Gardner, because she's shown, I think, the power really at the top level as well. Green has shown it a little bit, but we haven't. We'll see what she does to discern, I guess. But you know, um, just molding fighters like that, you know, under the guise of people like Tony Harrison who are in the pro game, know exactly what it takes, know how how key and impactful power can be um, in, in a professional fight. I think more fighters coming out of that mold will just lead to 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 an explosion, really, in in the women's game. I think I'd be, you know. I just much prefer to see fighters like that who can throw shots properly, who can snap snap people's heads back with the jab, who can who can throw two or three shot combinations and each one of them sound like they're they're impactful shots. Yeah, they don't uh, lose their balance when they're doing it, right? Yeah, and they, and in an eighth and ninth round it's the same. It's not just the first first, second and third round, you know, watching the pursuit fight with Nekalad, you know, she can throw punches for the first three or four rounds, but by the end of the fight she's pushing them, you know. Um, and it just shows that she she knows what she's supposed to be doing, but she's probably not bred in with that school in the same way that uh, Alicia Baumgartner is going into that Detroit gym, you know, day in, day out with people like Tony Harrison. There's just a difference there, you know. Absolutely. Um, it, and some people can learn it and some people can't. And, and what, one of the things, though, that Alicia has that's great for women's boxing um, that can't be taught is swagger. Uh, that gal's got swagger. She's got personality. She's got charisma. All the things that you need to sell a sport. You know, that that's why Deontay Wilder is so popular um, in the United States. You know, I I uh, listened to a podcast uh, of, of him the other day from, you know, last year, uh, early last year, where he was talking to the former governor of Ohio, John Kasich and Jordan Klepper on their podcast. And, you know, they, they, he has, he has people interested in boxing, like fucking John Kasich, you know, like the fuck John Kasich, you know, but interestingly enough, John Kasich developed a bit of a love for boxing. He talked about that on this podcast because of his relationship with the deceased uh, Senator John McCain, who was very helpful in passing the Muhammad Ali Act, and who also worked tirelessly, tirelessly to uh, get Jack Johnson posthumously exonerated for his crimes. Um, wow, well, I did not know that. Yeah, uh, yeah, John McCain. Uh, when it came to boxing, a big fan, and, and he did some good stuff for the sport. Um, so, uh, yeah, 
Awesome. It's boxing was a big deal in this country for a really long time, Joe, and it's weird to see it um, kind of fall away. It, 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 what was interesting about boxing, and it's, it's hard for us to see it this way, and I don't want to go too far because we've been here for a while, but boxing made for a great radio sport. Mm. And, and, and I think the biggest thing that happened for boxing um, in this country that, that made it America's thing was when Lewis knocked out Schmeling in the rematch. Yeah. Um, that was supposed to be an absolutely mon- monumental moment in society that, and that when you, especially when you hear people talk like um, Bert Sugar, uh, even Manuel Stewart, they talk about that fight like, you know, in kind of revered terms, um, just because of all the political stuff behind it as well. It was almost bigger than the fight. Um, I remember reading uh, The Sweet Science by A.J. Liebling, and he talks about the death of boxing in the 1950s. Uh, and he was attributing it directly to television um, and saying that, you know, TV was basically pe- dragging people out of the small hall shows where boxers kind of learn their craft and learn their trade and would get paid on a kind of monthly basis. They'd fight once a month and they'd fight in these local hall shows and people would go and watch them. They tour around and that's how people like Greb and all these guys built up those massive records. But and it's how nobody had, had an undefeated record. Like it, it yeah. was impossible. Because you, you learned on the job. And if you didn't get beaten and you didn't learn and you didn't get better. So you're just fighting bums. But like TV then and TV rights and all that money that came in with advertising and stuff like that, it sucked out the people from going to these shows and kind of watching the big shows instead of TV. And it kind of uh, polarized the sports into the big money makers and the big, the big venues, the big promoters, uh, and and it, it, you know it, it it kind of centralized it in a few key pockets, you know, um, whereas before. You know, you could have a number of different boxing halls in, 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 in a number of different cities all competing with each other for shows, all trying to show, put on the best shows, the best fights. And when you have that kind of competition, that leads to the best kind of product. But it's just not that way anymore. And we've been talking too, too long about the current state of boxing being the way it is, but it's really in the era of how boxing was in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way through as well. And it's been this some, way for a while. There's some things we'll look back on that were real damaging. Uh, the uh, Perez Makhmudov fight, or uh, or Abdusalama fight, excuse me, uh, because there was so much change with insurance stuff that happened after yeah. that, and it killed a lot of the small shows. And and I I think that it, it's almost unfathomable until you like really start looking at the records of of the the great champions through the years and in the United States, how many came from that tri-state region of Pennsylvania, New York, and New Jersey. I mean, it was basically all of our champions, um, sans, you know, the Detroit people um, for decades and decades and decades. And and that damage in the New York area and what happened with that fight and the fallout could be very harmful. But I'll say, I, I as I look at comments throughout um, the, the interwebs uh, talking about boxing, I am seeing a sea, bit of a sea change, Joe, and I'm seeing people becoming more favorable towards women's boxing and saying, look, um, they're for whatever things that they might be lacking compared to the men in, in the, what happens in the ring, the best are fighting the best. The, when it happens, the fights are, are delivering and, 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 and we are seeing these fights fairly often. They're not dragging out and taking years to get done. 
So people yeah. are coming in to the women's sport and maybe in the dark days of boxing, when these guys are going to have to start taking pay cuts and they're going to be going through these rough periods where they're not going to want to fight. Maybe just maybe it will be the women who are able to keep the, the sport off of life support. Um, while while it kind of uh, the economics of it uh, reimagines itself to something that's sustainable again. Yeah, I think there's been a sea change kind of across society and not just women's boxing being more popular, but women's sports being more popular. I think probably on the back of Me Too and, and all the rest of it. But, you know, I left Ireland seven years ago. And when I left, there was very little women's sports on the TV. and Sky Sports was just churning out male sports all the time. And I remember going home two years ago and I was at the table with my uncles and my dad and they were all talking about uh, golf and they were actually talking about Leona Maguire, uh, an Irish female golfer who had just won the female version of the Ryder Cup uh, playing really well. I couldn't get over it. And then they were talking and then I, I flicked on Sky Sports News and like 30% of the coverage is probably towards female sports, um, you know, female soccer, Premier League. And, uh, you know, it just seems like it, across the board that female sports is more popular. Um, and I'm not against that, to be honest, because I've got two little girls. I've got a, a two, two under two. Hope that they'll be sports people when they're older as well. And I'll certainly be guiding them that way. And look, that's kind of where my interest is coming from as well on a personal note. But I think, you know, even for those of us who don't have little girls who are just interested in seeing um, good quality competition in sports, I think the girls do give you that um, in any sport. Uh, but in particularly boxing as well, because it's, it's a very personal sport, boxing. You see it up close and personal. You see the reaction on faces. You see um, there's nowhere to hide. You know, emotions are out in your sleeve. If you're getting knocked out, you're getting knocked out in front of absolutely everybody. And so they kind of endear you. And I think that women have a natural endearment to them as well. And if, if they can fight and if they're nice and they're charming, and even if they have that little bit of dog or spite like Baumgartner, those then you know I'm, I'm always all in it doesn't really matter if it's a boy or a girl if, if they're skilled and they put on a good show i'm here to watch it that's the great displays of heart um in, in a competitive event sign me up i i don't give a damn about the gender of the people involved i i like seeing sports contested at the highest level and people you know really leaving themselves you know on the field in the ring um, leaving every last bit uh, as they go for glory. It's 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 an amazing thing to watch, and boxing's just a little bit weirder, Joe, because these people in in a different way. I mean, I know crazy things happen in all sports, but throughout history, um, boxers and combat just in, and people in combat sports in general put their lives on the line to a greater degree than others um, in, in their pursuit for of of greatness. And and I think that that has to be kind of weighed when we when we when we look at the whole aspect of what they give um those those 12 round wars 10 round wars um in the women's side of the sport uh where it's just non-stop you have to look at it and and i i'm interested to see that taylor serrano rematch because you know uh, amanda looked good but i still think she left something in that ring that night and i think katie did too yeah well, I think that Katie's been on the slide for, for a little bit of time. I think I mentioned that last time we were on. Um, and, and, you know, another one who you can kind of just see improvements that she could just make through a game. And it's been years like that. You know, she doesn't throw an uppercut either. Doesn't really work to the body that well. Um, you know, 
Ross Anime, her trainer, just seems to have her in the same kind of gear, and she does her. She does what she does really well and wins rounds, and she knows how to win win rounds. But sometimes I feel like she needs another another level, another gear, another wrinkle to her game that she doesn't seem to have developed specifically around some of those shots that I mentioned, the uppercut, the body work. She just doesn't seem to have any of that. But she does still do exactly what she needs to do and does what, what really well what she does in her kind of amateur style and her, her pot shotting way. But I think um but it'll be an incredibly close fight again and very tough to call. Um definitely a distance fight as well. I, I see what you say about, you know, Taylor or Taylor nearly got out of there last time in the fifth round. She was very lucky to hang in. I just think that she'll probably be a bit more a bit more careful and not stand in front and trade with Serrano, which is what she did and what, what kind of led to her getting hurt. Um, you'd hope that she wouldn't make the same mistake twice. Um, and I think that when I when I look at when I look at uh, rematches like that, you know, I always favour the boxer over the puncher landing, you know. Um, and I would still favour the same way. I just think that Taylor will probably have learned more from the first fight than, than Serrano maybe have. Even though of the two since the since the fight, I think you could see you know Serrano has definitely improved. And like I said, I was really impressed with her with her boxing uh, that she showed on Saturday. Yeah, and it's and I feel like she she had more gears to go, and and she just she had some things she wanted to work on in that fight, and she was. Um, and we'll see if she's working on the right things. Um, that, that's why I'm curious. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I think we'll probably be back here again in April, give a preview of that one. And then we'll be back, you know, a few weeks after that and give a recap, probably do this show every couple of months. I like the way that's going. I think the people like that too. And uh, as sport fills up, heck we'll, we'll do it more often than, uh, and I mean, we're hoping for it to happen because, uh, more boxing, no matter, uh, if it's women's or men's is good for the sport. Um, and I'd like to thank all the people that hopped in the chat today. Had a good handful in here. We had uh, Take Ames in there. The Dr. FMG, Jim McDonald Boxing was in there as well. Uh, Joseph Pack, uh, Patrick Doherty, uh, Sarah Beck, Marcus R. Let's see here. ABC, Matt Butters. And I think there's one more maybe early on. And then Slavonok. Thank you for Slavonok for coming in there. And Joe <laughs> Kennedy, I'd also like to thank you for coming on here and uh, making it so I'm not talking uh, by myself. Uh, we got the double digit in live today, so I think that's a, a victory to be spoken of. I'm going to celebrate with a drink. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Matty. It was great, great coming on. Really enjoyed it. You got it. And thank you to everyone who's listening out there. Thank you to everybody in the chat. And we will see you guys uh, here next week. Also, Don McNamara is in there. We'll see you guys here next week on Sunday for a new episode of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse. Y'all take care. Have a great week ahead. Sports Social Podcast Network.